0: Hello and welcome to the Who Says No podcast. We talk about trades, sometimes we talk about signings, sometimes we talk about signings that didn't even happen. How's that for a tease for you? As always, I am Colin Ward-Hedinger, NBA writer for CBS Sports, and I am joined by my co-host who always has very cool introductions for me, but I can't think of anything exciting for him. Sam Quinn, tremendous writer, CBS Sports. How are you doing today, Sam?
1: You're getting there on the introductions, Colin. That was the best one we've done so far.
0: I'm, wor- I'm working. I'm working hard.
1: Today, we actually technically are talking about a player that did sign, which is a first in the history of this podcast. i
0: like, yeah. I mean, he signed with one team, but he didn't we're sign. We're not
1: talking about that.
0: <laughs> with some other teams.
1: <laughs> yeah. With that tease, we are talking about the Giannis Antetokounmpo Supermax extension. We're not talking about the Bucks because, well, we're going to see the Bucks on the floor. So... There's not really much to say that you're not going to see in a week. We and, are talk
0: about the it. only thing we can say about the Bucks is that they are I- extremely happy, and uh, there are probably some people who are on the uh, the ledge of Bucks fandom ready to jump who are now uh, have been talked down and are probably very excited about their future. So I feel uh, like I we should at
1: least address how awesome is this for the NBA.
0: I mean, I guess it depends on your perspective, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's terrible awesome.
1: for us as media members. <laughs> <sometimes>. <laughs> Like, the Giannis stuff, the clicks were incredible. This is kind of the last gasp of that.
0: I guess what I'm saying is the last thing we want is for Giannis to do this and stay and then have, like, what happened with Russ and PG happen, where they don't win and he gets unhappy, they don't get the players he wants, and now we're just doing this again in two years.
1: I think if Giannis does end up leaving Milwaukee on this contract in, like, acrimonious terms, that's the breaking point for this whole era where the owners start to say, like, Okay, we're locking you out without a franchise tag or something.
0: Well, it's hard, man. You know, like he, he's a two time MVP, and we're talking about how this team can't win in the playoffs. Like, you, you got to get, you either have to be so transcendent that you're LeBron James or, you know, maybe uh, eventually Luca, somebody like that, or you have to be in a situation where you can get other players on your team. And time will tell whether Milwaukee's going to be able to do that, whether. They're going to, I mean, there's a reason team, you know, players go to LA and Miami. Like, there's a reason for that. So, well, I
1: do sort of wonder just, I don't want to say by random chance, but just sort of by like the attrition that the league faces every year, if having the regular season MVP for five straight years of his prime just sort of automatically leads to a championship at some point. Like, maybe the same weaknesses continue to pop up, but like they get the injury luck that Miami had last year. And they face a weak, you know, a weak path like the Lakers sort of did. I'm Obviously, all of the same concerns still apply, right? Like, he can't make a shot outside of however many feet from the basket. They didn't address that shot creation stuff in the offseason. Bogdanovich might have. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward. If you can have the back-to-back MVP for the next five years of his prime, you do it.
0: Right. And this is a team that is absolutely dominated the regular season. So, I mean, it's it's not like they completely fall apart in the playoffs. They just haven't figured everything out. But as you said, you know, a lot of luck involved. And, you know, maybe Dante DiVincenzo or somebody like that is going to take a leap eventually.
1: Or like maybe he just gets better. Like we can't discount that. He is a two-time MVP. LeBron had playoff issues too early on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And he's, what, like, 25? Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah,
1: I think we have maybe overblown some of this stuff. Like, <laughs> what we can comfortably say at this moment is the Bucs are probably going to be one of the best teams in the NBA. And that'll be true for the next, presumably the entire contract.
0: Which is awesome. And I do like yeah. watching. Them. But since he'll be in Milwaukee for at least the foreseeable future, that means a few teams who are in on the uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo sweepstakes that never happened— for the summer of 2021, we'll now have to figure out uh what to do. So that's why we decided to get on this podcast and talk about it. So we're gonna cover a few teams that were kind of in the running. First of all, let's just address you know the the seven foot, you know, seven, eight wingspan elephant in the room with the uh Los Angeles Lakers. Uh I know there was a lot of talk about him possibly going there. Sam, you don't think that that was ever a real possibility? Do you you want to explain? No. That
1: so maybe before the pandemic if LeBron and AD had both left a little money on the table and they hadn't made any long-term commitments, maybe then you could have talked me into it, but now they've signed KCP for the long-term. They've added all of these young guys that they presumably want to resign. Like I would guess that they want to resign Kyle Kuzma if they don't trade him. I would guess that they want to resign Taylor Horton Tucker. I would guess they'd want to resign Alex Caruso, but as it stands right now, there's just, there's no way for them to create any meaningful amount of cap space. So the other route would be a sign and trade, but that presents the hard cap, which with LeBron and AD at the max, like you basically have to get rid of everybody else. And even then you're going to have no depth. So I think the, the Lakers pretty much played themselves out of this with the way they handled their offseason, which is fine because they're the championship favorites and they just won it. So clearly they're prioritizing the bird in the hand rather than the two in the bush. The Warriors are sort of in the same boat. Because they would have had to have done a sign-and-trade as well, and they probably would have had to include at least two of Draymond, Clay, and Wiggins, because if you have four max salaries, you're not going to have any money left under the hard cap. So those were the two teams that were kind of on the periphery of this, but from a financial perspective, it was just never going to happen.
0: Yeah, that was the fantasy, and being out here in the Bay Area, you know, you, you saw all the Giannis photoshops with the with the Warriors jersey on, Stefan Giannis, and all that stuff, and it was kind of all tongue-in-cheek, but I'm sure a lot of people actually thought that it was a possibility.
1: After Durant, like, we kind of, our, we, our barometer was totally broken, right? Like, we thought, well, nobody thought this was going to happen, and then it did, so why can't something else like that happen? I mean, Warriors fans thought they were in on Anthony Davis. I don't know who they thought they were going to trade for him, but... You know, there was that big article saying, like, oh, the Warriors have been keeping an eye on Anthony Davis for a long time. Like, yeah, of course they can't actually do it. They don't have the <laughs> trade pieces. But we didn't think they could get Durant either, and here we are. So it totally threw us off, and I'm sure whoever the next guy is, we're going to hear about how the Warriors are in on him, too.
0: Right. And you I mean, you know about this better than me, but the reason they were able to get Durant was because of that, like, unprecedented cap spike. Is is there any way that, you know, post pandemic fans come back to the stands that something like that could happen or they'll they'll smooth it?
1: I would think they'd smooth it as it as it stands currently. The agreement that they've made for the rest of this current CBA, which goes through 2024, is that the cap will rise annually between three and 10 percent. So even if there is a big revenue spike, there's not going to be a big one-year cap spike. Maybe after the CBA, at that point, you can kind of throw everything else out. But for now, it's going to rise at a pretty steady rate.
0: So the moral of the story is, Lakers and Warriors fans, you're not getting Giannis.
1: And you know what, guys? You both already have your teams. Like, Okay, the Warriors I get, you might be a little upset after the play injury. But like, Lakers fans, you're good. You have enough.
0: You have, you have Taylor. A future Horton MVP
1: Talon Horton Tucker. Did
0: you see I couldn't tell if it was a fake tweet or a real tweet but it was uh, Kendrick Perkins said that Talen Horton Tucker has the most valuable contract in the NBA.
1: Did you oh, see Oh, he this? did say that. That was real. Like, well, first of all, he's a restricted free agent after the year, so no, like you know who has the most <laughs> That's incorrect. You Know who has the most expensive or the most valuable cheap contract in basketball? Lou Dort because he's making the minimum for the next 3 years.
0: Or somebody was like Luka Doncic makes eight million eight million dollars right. a year and he's gonna be there, the MVP.
1: There are a couple of different perspectives on this. Like if you want to truly look at surplus value, it's definitely Luca because <laughs> Luca's gonna make ten million dollars and produce fifty million dollars in value. But if you also wanna just look at like what is the best cheap contract, it's the one that lasts the longest. And that's right now Lou Dor
0: so speaking of cheap contracts there's going to be a lot in play here so we're talking about a few teams that were you know unlike the lakers and warriors are actually realistic you know uh bidders for Giannis onto the services should he have become a free agent in 2021 so let's start with uh one of your favorite teams so uh this is a guy or uh, a city that was very welcoming to international players. Uh, they have a very large Greek population. They've always shown Giannis a warm welcome whenever he goes there, and that's the Toronto Raptors. So, uh, you know, they were really in good position, I think, to to make a good pitch to them. They've obviously gotten, uh, you know, to the championship level. Uh, as an organization, nothing but good things said about them. They have hard workers. They have a lot of young talent. So, uh, Sam, what, what are the Raptors supposed to do now that they can't get Giannis?
1: So they're pretty interesting among the three teams we're going to talk about in that they're the only one at this moment that really looks primed for max cap space. The Heat can't really get there. They can get pretty close. And Dallas right now isn't close at all, but maybe has some path to get there. The Raptors, by my projections, are going to have around $28 million in space next summer. But that goes up to $39 million if they either trade Norm Powell or if he opts out At that point, you're basically looking at a roster of Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, who we're going to get to in a little bit, and Malachi Flynn. So after that, you don't know if you're going to be able to keep Lowry or any of the other veterans, but basically they're going to have max cap space. And they had originally earmarked that for a Giannis pursuit, or if you want to put it more broadly, a general superstar pursuit in free agency. There's only one superstar left in 2021 free agency. And it's someone that they know pretty well. Can we talk about this Kawhi Leonard thing? (laughs)
0: Um, So I don't think it's
1: going to happen. I I, I don't think he's going to go back. But it's worth pointing out that Paul George has already extended and he hasn't. If he was dead set on staying with the Clippers, wouldn't he have signed by now?
0: I think he's – I mean, if I'm him, I'm not signing just because of the disaster that took place last year and to keep some accountability on the franchise. If he inks that extension, uh, suddenly the pressure's off. You know, oh, we, we got another year to make it work. I think he – you know, better than anyone having missed that entire year due to injury and kind of the, the load management and all the kind of lingering issues he has, I think he knows more than anyone how important it is to maximize his prime. And I think uh, he, he wants to put as much pressure – on the Clippers and on Paul George as possible to deliver. So do I think he's going to leave the Clippers? Uh, Probably not. And I I think they'll have a a pretty good year again this year. Um, But as you said, it's certainly not out of the realm of of possibilities, particularly if things go south the way they did last season with the Clippers.
1: So I'm just going to make the pitch, like the things that need to happen. First of all, should be noted, Kawhi signed with the Clippers, at least in part because he wanted to play for Doc Rivers. And Doc Rivers is now gone. Now, clearly, he, was, he had to have been consulted during the process of firing him. But it's not like Ty Lu was the one recruiting him. He wanted to play with Paul George. Paul George has some shoulder injury issues. And frankly, he didn't show up in the playoffs last year. So we yeah, don't know he was, how he's going to he, look. He
0: was okay. In the play. He was pretty good in the well, playoffs. He, he was pretty good by hits. normal
1: standards, not max player standards. Yeah. So let's say things go wrong again. He's playing for not the coach that recruited him. In a city that hasn't exactly embraced him, by the way, like, I don't know if he ever knowed or, or I don't know if he ever knew or cared about the L.A., like, just the standpoint that they're always going to be a Laker city. But I have to imagine that would weigh on you if, like, your home city hates your team because it's a rival to the team it actually cares about. So I would presume that that's kind of an issue. So you're right. It's probably not going to happen, but I don't know. I, I think it's worth laying out the possibility that if things continue to go south, Yeah, I think there's a reasonable, not reasonable, I think there's a non-zero chance that this happens, is all. The more realistic way to look at this, would they get into Harden now? Would they try to trade for Bradley Beal now? Like, are they, without Giannis on the table, do they look at any of the other stars that might possibly be available?
0: Yeah, and this is kind of the thing with the Raptors, right? They've been doing this for a few years now. Uh, they thought they had maxed out that that Lowry-DeRozan you know, tandem, and they, they just kept getting whooped by LeBron every postseason. And uh, they made the deal for Kawhi, and essentially it was like, if this works, great. Uh, if not, you know, he leaves, and we can start the rebuild. And uh, Kawhi got them a championship, and then he left, and they were still really, really good. So, you know, Siakam's taking a leap. You said we we're going to talk about Ananobi. Norman Powell's got a lot better. So, like, I guess they're, they're still in this kind of limbo where they have, you know, uh, Lowry. They lost Gasol and Ibaka, kind of their, their other aging stars. But they they are still a competitive team. Now, do you double down on that and go out and get a star if it's possible in, in, in Harden or Beal? And, and that means, obviously, trading some of your young guys? Or do you let Lowry walk? say, hey, look, we have our core in Siakam, Van Vliet, and Ananobi. Let's just continue to be competitive until that next Kawhi Leonard situation comes along.
1: My instinct is that I think we'd both agree that in their present state, there's no chance that they win a championship in the next few years. It's right? just like,
0: so, hard. It's so hard for me to say right? that. I watched them last year, though. Well, you know what I mean? Like, well, I, we
1: saw what happened to Siakam in the playoffs. Like, Maybe he takes right. a, a big jump, But if we assume that this is broadly who they are, like winning a championship is hard. It's not being a very good team. It's being the best out of 30 teams. And I have a very hard time seeing them getting there over the next few years without some sort of major addition. So if they could trade, like, say, Siakam for Harden, I'd probably do it if we're being honest, because that takes them from non-contender to genuine contender.
0: Yeah, and you can listen to uh, we break down the whole uh, hard into Toronto scenario during our, uh, one of our previous podcasts. If you want to download that one, we get into a lot of detail. But um, I, I do think that this opens that possibility. I, th- I think that the idea of Giannis being off the table, just naturally, you're going to start thinking about, all right, well, what other superstars can we get? And like you said, the, the 2021, you know, the vaunted 2021 free agent class. It sucks. Not looking that great anymore, right? Like, Drew Holiday, you assume, is going to extend or sign a new deal with the with the Bucks. Um Then you're looking at guys like, you know, Mike Conley, uh, Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo. I don't know if he takes you over. To, you He's know, on like,
1: my list, but, like, there's a chance that we get to 2021 free agency, and Victor Oladipo is, like, a mid-level value player. Like, if the bubble is any indication, if all of the injuries are any indication... I'm not looking at Victor Oladipo as a max target.
0: It's which is very strange, and and I hope for his sake he has a really good year. And I I do like him. Um, I I don't think he's happy in Indiana. So, uh, do you think he would he he would have signed a contract by now if he was going to stay in Indiana?
1: I think it's so hard to gauge his value based on how bad he was after the injuries that I think he's probably just going to play it out, and you know. If, even if he has to take a little less, like maybe he can get to a better market. I don't think he wants to stay there. We're gonna get to Miami in a little bit. like I think Miami is probably the team where he ends up, but yeah, I, I get why he wouldn't resign. It's just i don't I don't see how the pacers could put an offer in front of him that he would justifiably consider like they're not going to offer him twenty five million dollars a year right now. That'd be just totally crazy
0: right, and that also seems like one of those things where like like you didn't believe in me. I'm, I'm out of here. You know, yeah. like
1: like he
0: he would see that as an insult from, from Indiana.
1: So let me pose something to you. The Raptors are sort of in a dilemma when it comes to OG Ananobi. The Heat went through this with Bam Adebayo, where his cap hold was going to be very low, but they extended him to keep him happy. That cost them a lot of cap space, but it might have saved them a little bit of money down the line, depending on the specifics of that deal. The Raptors are in... I'm going to say an even more complex situation because Bam was going to get the max no matter what. Ananobi clearly is not going to get the max now. Maybe down the line, if he has like, he's a very hot, most improved player candidate. If he has a breakout year this year, like maybe somebody gives him the max of restricted free agency. As it stands right now, the Raptors have two options. If they do extend Ananobi, great. They've got him locked up at presumably a pretty reasonable price. I would guess something like $15 to $17 million a year on a long-term deal. But that would cost them cap space because right now his cap hold for the 2021 offseason is only $11.6 million. So if you extend him now, you give up some cap space, but you get long-term security. If you don't extend him, you preserve all of that extra cap space, but you risk somebody offering him like $25 million a year next year. And you having a much bigger deal on your books for the long term. What are you doing if you're the Raptors? Are you extending him or are you waiting?
0: I think you have to extend him, and I, I think it's for reasons that that you talk about a lot, and that that just makes sense. Like now you have this guy, right? We talked about how the you know having cap space, space next summer isn't necessarily as uh, you know exciting as it would have been before all these guys signed extensions. So. If you lock up Ananobi, assuming like you said that you think he's going to take a leap and be one of your you know core players for years and years to come, if you do that, then he's still be he's still an asset, right? So if you want to make a trade, he's you know in the mix at a pretty reasonable salary, things like that. So I think that. The, the reason you extend him is, one, because apparently, like with I a bio, this is really important to guys. And then it shows agents that you take care of your own guys and things like that. So you never want to lose any kind of credibility that way. And two, you, you get a guy who can either help you on the court or help you as an asset later down the road. So I, I do it. I don't know about you.
1: So if you don't do it, I think you have to be very, very confident that you have a real chance to get Kawhi. Because there's nobody else on the market. That's worth taking that risk for. If you do think there's a chance that you can get Kawhi, then I understand waiting. But realistically, I think you're right. With Giannis off of the table, I would just take the sure thing at this point. I would extend him and I would probably do it in such a way that, you know, backload the contract a little bit, still preserve some amount of the flexibility that you've built. Like, say his cap figure for next summer is $16 That only really cost them like five million. It's four point four, so that's not the end of the world, right? Like I, I don't think that would deprive them of the opportunity to, to go after anybody that they would want to go after. And there's really only one name left that I'd be at all excited about beyond Kawhi for them. What about Rudy Gobert?
0: Yeah, um, you kind of mentioned it in your article, which is up on CBSSports.com. You should take a, a read. It's very good, very detailed. Um, but you, you kind of mentioned how the uh, the Raptors kind of enjoy having players on the court who can shoot. So I don't I don't know if uh, Rudy Gobert right. fits into that and they also are, already have a really good defense. We'll see how that looks without Gasol and Abbac. Uh, and that could be the the impetus for signing a guy like Gobert. So, Well, um,
1: if you have Gobert, you have the number 1 defense for the next 3 years, something right. like that. Right. So, I mean, this is just kind of an aside. Who is the Rudy Gobert team? Because I can't find one.
0: It's kind of I mean, it's got to be the Jazz, right?
1: Well, no, I'm saying if he hits the open market, <laughs> what's his leverage?
0: Yeah, I, I, maybe. Jeez. I mean, we saw how quickly Andre Drummond's stock just completely destroyed. I'm not saying that Drummond is Gobert, but he, he went from being you know, a hot commodity to, to being traded for two second-round picks. So the market for a center is as great defensively as Gobert is, who who can't shoot. I just don't know. Is he looking at, like, uh, you know, uh, Memphis or, like, uh, you know, uh, New Orleans? I don't know, they've signed Adams. But you know what I mean, one of those kind of fringe playoff teams that's kind of trying to make the the leap into being, like, a real contender.
1: Yeah, the only team that comes to mind to me right now is Sacramento.
0: Yeah. And does Ringo
1: really want to go to Sacramento? Like, if I were him, like, I really wouldn't be messing around. I would just sign whatever extension the Jazz put in front of me.
0: And that's why you're not a negotiator, Sam. You have to just reject everything. Just keep saying no, 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 until finally they're like, this is our final offer, and you're like, okay, I'll do it. But it's on my terms, not yours.
1: So this is the point where you kind of have to just consider, is it really worth letting everybody else walk? Like, if this is the best you can do, wouldn't you rather operate as an above-the-cap team, keep Kyle Lowry, keep Aaron Baines, keep a bunch of tradable salaries that, like, maybe you can – you know, aggregate into something bigger because beyond that, you're looking at like Spencer Dinwiddie could be a long-term Lowry replacement. Um, The best next best center is probably Andre Drummond. Like those don't really seem like the kind of players, the Raptors would ever target. So I would guess of these three teams, the Raptors are probably the likeliest to just say, you know what? We're keeping the gang together. We're not going to spend our cap space. We'll figure it out as we go.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that seems like the way that they operate. Um, you mentioned the the Ananobi situation, that is uh, very similar to what the Heat just went through with Bam Adebayo. So we can move on to the Miami Heat as one of the hottest, you know, potential destinations for. I Love the pun. Yeah, piece
1: of pun work, up man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was uh, So this is funny. So I, I once told probably the best joke I've ever told to my wife. Um, And it was about, I don't, don't ask me how the scenario came up. It was about a bunch of babies going to a nightclub. And I said, oh, do you think they'll get bottle service? And it was pretty good. You know, that was was quick, right off the cuff, completely unintentional. I didn't even think about the pun. Well, that's how great
1: puns work, right? You can't plan a great pun.
0: So anyway, the the hot Miami heat.
1: (laughs) My sister actually works in bottle service in New York, or at least did before the pandemic. So you know what this hits home for me. Great work, Thank your you. wife also master of the pun with the Mandalorian. Oh, to yeah. those oh. who don't know, Colin's wife is—I don't even want to say a baker. She's an artist and has done some just truly magnificent work with baked goods artistically.
0: Yeah, onehousebakery.com. Check them out on Instagram at onehousebakery. Um, she yeah, made a
1: Mandalorian out of bread.
0: Pan Mandalorian. The uh, the the baby Dota. because it's made out of dough get it yeah so oh, my my that, my my father in law is the king of terrible puns so she it, it runs in the family anyway Back we've got completely the super hot road. which it's is, this super hot heat so we've it, run this into the ground. when they uh, extended out a bio I thought that was a sign that they knew that Giannis was going to resign in Milwaukee and Bam and and Giannis have the same agent which is. Pretty common knowledge. Um, do you think they would have extended out of bio even if they thought they still had a chance to sign Giannis?
1: Well, the issue is with Bam and Giannis sharing the same agent, if you don't extend Bam, how is that going to reflect on Giannis when the agent, Alex Soretzis, sits down with him and says, You know, I'm not so sure that he'd take care of their guys, right? Like, this is one of the quieter things that I think casual fans don't really appreciate is just how influential these agents are. Like, I'll give you an example. Aaron Mintz represents D'Angelo Russell, who the Lakers bashed out the door. Julius Randle, who the Lakers let go of and, you know, really did so in a way that did not help his market value. And not coincidentally, Paul George, who did not grant the Lakers a meeting in 2018 for agency. These things are really connected. If you don't take care of one of an agent's clients, he's not going to help you get his other clients.
0: You need look no further than, uh, you know, free agency when the the newsbreakers are tweeting, so-and-so just signed a deal, as told to me by blah, blah, blah of blah, blah, blah agency. Uh, Well, and then you
1: also get that one sentence where it's like, player X, who's just signed for the minimum, is expected to play a big role in team Y's rotation. Like, Yeah.
0: So That's,
1: and so is
0: one of the best up and coming young seventh guards on the bench out of the yeah. entire NBA. Um, right. But so, yeah, your point your point is taken that that uh, there's a lot of complexity to this that it goes beyond just do we want this player and what are the cap ramifications. And
1: it it should be noted the Heat would not have had max cap space after extending Bam, but they still had a path to getting honest. The only difference is it would have been a sign-and-trade. That's why they gave all of their players team options for the second year, because if Giannis wanted to come there, they could go to the Bucs and say, we'll give you all of this expiring salary, and we'll give you Tyler Hero, and you send us Giannis. That was their plan. It just fell through when Giannis extended. So now, the Heat are just a team with less cap space because they re-signed BAM. As I have it right now, this is pretty fungible. It depends on a lot of different factors. I have them at around $20.5 in space. This could change depending on a few things, right? Like the biggest, I'm going to say, it's not very likely, but it should be noted. Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson both have very small cap holds because they were undrafted free agents. But both have a chance to have significantly higher cap holds because they've played so many minutes. The NBA has a rule called the starter criteria, where if you play enough minutes or you start enough games, you have a higher capital? Do you have a higher qualifying offer? Right now, my projections build in, both of them hitting that criteria. But if the Heat wanted to create a little more space, maybe they look at Kendrick Nunn and they say, you're not going to play so much this year.
0: I love, I love that sentence in your story. Just like, just the cold, hard truth. Like, look, we're going to save a bunch of money if we keep you under this minutes threshold, so you're not going to play.
1: <laughs> well, the funny, like, Duncan Robinson is too good to do that too, right? Like Duncan Robinson is, I'm not going to say an all-star, but like a high, high level starter. He has to play if you want to contend for the finals. Are we sure that Kendrick Nunn needs to play? Because they have Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, and Avery Bradley. Like they could pretty easily win games without giving Kendrick Nunn a lot of minutes. And if we're being totally honest, are we sure that Kendrick Nunn is part of their future? They have Tyler Hero.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. And, uh, you know, this obviously comes from watching the bubble and the the playoffs. Like, I don't know if Nunn is a guy that he might have been playing over his head for those few months where it looked like, you know, he was going to be the rookie of the year and all that. And um, I I think he he serves as a very good insurance policy if if Dragic or one of those other guys gets hurt, you know, because... You, you, you need that extra guard who can you can handle a little bit and you can obviously get hot shooting. But he, he did not look good in the bubble at all. And I, if I'm the Heat, I don't think twice about you know uh, getting rid of him if it means going on to bigger and better things.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if he hits the starter criteria, you're looking at a $4.7 million cap hold. That's not very much. So unless you have something better lined up, I don't think there's a good reason to renounce him. But it's an option they have in the back pocket Should they need it? I think the better question here, though, is like Toronto, should they operate as an above the cap team or below the cap team? Now, below the cap, the benefits are obvious. You have cap space that you can spend on free agents. And we'll talk about who in a little bit. If you operate as an above the cap team, you can keep Goran Dragic, Andre Iguodala, Myers Leonard and Avery Bradley. You could presumably trade them in a star deal if one comes along. Or you could just have those players. Those are good players. Like, maybe they help you. So I don't know. What would you do? Who would you target if you were the Heat that would make it worth getting rid of those guys? This is in 2021?
0: Yes. Yeah. I I mean, we mentioned him earlier, but I think Victor Oladipo is the the name that stands out the most. Um, But, you know, I think a lot of that talk was happening before we saw what we saw from Tyler Hero in the bubble and uh, when you bring in a guy like like oladipo are you kind of you know having a little bit of redundancy with with hero a guy who kind of needs the ball to operate um oladipo obviously a, a better defender than hero at this point um but it, it's kind of the same predicament as the as the raptors um it's a team that you know can be competitive if you just keep running it back over and over but is there that piece out there that's going to take you you know, uh, they, they just made the NBA Finals, but to, to be, a you know, a, a perennial finals contender and a potential champion. And well, for me,
1: go that, ahead. We know who that piece is. It's James Harden.
0: Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. So are you going to save that uh, cap space or are you going to try to go all in right now and try to give, uh, you know, the Rockets, who sound very receptive to Harden trades uh, based on recent reports, are you just going to make your, your all-in offer and give them Hero and Robinson and just say, hey, look, we got Jimmy Butler, Bam out of Bio, and James Harden, try to beat us?
1: I think I would. And I mean, first of all, that trade can't happen until February. So it gives you a little bit of time to evaluate them. Like maybe Tyler Hero comes out and averages like 24 points a game. And you just say, you know what? We're good. We think we've got a future star in our hands. So just from a cat perspective, they have a little time. To evaluate that before making a final decision.
0: But is, is Harden I, gone by then?
1: I think you could negotiate with the Rockets in such a way that says, like, hey, our offer is out there. So unless you can get Ben Simmons, we're pretty sure nobody's going to top it. So why don't we wait until February? You can see what you have, too. Maybe you guys have something better. And maybe Harden decides he wants to say. I don't, I don't know. But I wouldn't I wouldn't characterize anything from a cat perspective as close to being doable. Because right now, all of their big money, except for Jimmy Butler... Is in the form of players who just signed this season. I don't think they could even match if you. I guess Olenek and Iguodala would probably be your matching salary if you did it now. I think realistically they'd probably rather trade Myers Leonard. I don't like. I guess there are ways to do it now, but February 6th is the likelier point. So if you do that though, like say you do trade Iguodala, Olenek, Hero, Robinson, still have a pretty good team, right? Like you'd still have Avery Bradley, you still have Goran Dragic, you'd still have. Moharkless, like it's not like you'd have those three guys and nothing else
0: it's funny because it, the NBA seems to go in these waves right like at first we needed the big three like everyone needed the big three after the Celtics won and then the, the Heat won and all this stuff and now it, it's twos and then we saw what the Lakers did and winning the title with basically two superstars and, and a bunch of you know no no offense to them but not the most high profile players around them so now are you looking at a situation where if you're the Heat, you say, look, if we give up Hero and Robinson and, you know, whatever else, what team do we have around these guys? Or are you looking at it like it doesn't matter what team we have around these guys if we have three of the you know top 20 players in the NBA?
1: Well, I mean, I, I just want to pop the bubble for any team that thinks they're going to do what the Lakers did. LeBron is the greatest player of all time, and Anthony Davis is, if not, he's maybe the most talented big man in a long time. I don't know about all time, but. You're looking at two top five players there. At most, only two teams can have two top five players because there are only five of them. So That's, that's why you're the math suggest, guy. I would suggest to teams that if you have a chance to get a third guy, if you have a chance to get James Harden, Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler in the same team, that's probably the smart thing to do if you want to win the championship right now. So let's just
0: take a step back real quick. Now, we're talking about... Trading for James Harden, who's averaged 35 points a game for like the last 18 years, and is one of the best offensive players we've ever seen, is Tyler Hero enough of a centerpiece for the Rockets to even entertain that? I feel like everyone, you know, oh, are they gonna throw in Duncan Robinson? uh You know, what picks are they getting? All this stuff, but if Tyler Hero is kind of the your quote-unquote future All Star, really, our body of evidence is so small with him, and he played great in the bubble, but that was you know, a couple of months. Uh, are we getting a little ahead of ourselves thinking that Tyler Hero can get you James Harden?
1: Well, I think in the grand, like in a vacuum, yes, you're probably right. But it really just comes down to what people are offering. And if Ben Simmons isn't on the table and Pascal Siakam isn't on the table, you're basically deciding between the Heat package and the Nets package. And if you want to talk about the depth of those packages, that's another conversation. But I think Tyler Hero is more viable than anything the Nets have, Right.
0: I, I, is he better than Karis LeVert?
1: Yes. Now here's why. Before you before you talk about them as players, I just I want to remind you of a couple things. Number one, Karis LeVert has one of the scariest injury histories of any major trade asset that we've ever had. Right? Like when you're talking about somebody getting traded for a star, this guy has missed entire seasons. So that really scares me. The other thing is Tyler Hero is 20. He has three years left on a rookie deal. Karis LeVert is 26. He has three years left on a market value deal. So money is a big factor here as well.
0: Right. And getting, you know, cost controlled players is always very exciting for teams. But if you're the Rockets, I don't know, they might have designs on, you know, you've got John Wall DeMarcus Cousins. You might have designs on being competitive a little sooner. And maybe you want a guy that's that's closer to his prime.
1: Yeah. But how well does Karis LeVert fit with John Wall? Neither of them are particularly good shooters.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously they wouldn't be playing the traditional Houston style. I don't know. I, I guess I, I'm like irrationally in love with Karis LeVert, and I think what, the way he played in the bubble, he showcased a lot more playmaking ability than I thought he had. I think he can be a, a you know a lead guard or a, the the facilitator when your point guard's on the bench, that sort of thing. I mean, the uh, the injury history is obviously there, and it's you can't ignore it. Um, but when when people are, are saying that the Rockets wouldn't even entertain Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie, but they would you know jump at getting Tyler Hero, I don't know if the difference between those two guys is as much as people think it is. But anyway, we're talking I'm about the Heat.
1: The total, yeah. I'm on the total low end of the Karis LeVert bandwagon. Like, yeah. To me, he's just one of those guys who is going to put up numbers but is not good enough to be the main ball handler on a championship team. And, and that's, so, the case, that's the same as Tyler Hero, goes. though, right? Well, Tyler Hero can shoot. He can be a supplemental player on a championship team. Oh,
0: hey, I Bart, think Burt was up to like 37% or something last year. Like, it's not terrible.
1: But that's also a pretty small sample size. Like, I'm not convinced. Maybe we'll see it this year, but right. I- I'm not. I'm not convinced on him. But yeah, going back to the Heat, like, I think if I understand the skepticism, right? Like, I understand this idea that we have so many good young players that if we just keep them, we're going to be very good for a long time. And we're the Heat. So we'll probably get another star down the line just, well, because we're the Heat. But I think if you have a chance to get James Harden, you just do it. Now, here's the other interesting thing, and I think this is what pushes Miami's package over the top. Wouldn't you really like to have Miami's draft picks down the line if they have Jimmy Butler, who's in his 30s, and James Harden, who's in his 30s? Right? Like, if you could get their 2025 and 2027 picks, wouldn't that be pretty valuable?
0: Yes, and especially if you're getting rid of Hero and Duncan Robinson, and you know maybe having to get rid of Kendrick Nunn and all, all, basically all your young players. So um, well, they'd
1: have Bam, so like they wouldn't be the worst team in the league or anything, but like they'd probably be bad. Right, and
0: think. and by the end of if you know Butler leaves or whatever, and Harden leaves, then you've got Bam who becomes the next. You know, where's this guy going? Because if he's on a bad Miami Heat team, but I guess our our working theory is that the Heat are never going to be bad.
1: So because, yeah, well. <laughs> Can I just pose one of the funniest things about this negotiation? Yes, please. The Heat right now owe their 2023 first-round pick to the Thunder. The way that pick is protected, it might not convey at all, but it's protected until 2026, which means at this moment, they cannot trade a single first-round pick. If they want to trade first-round picks to satisfy the Stepian rule...
0: There it is. Ding, 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 ding.
1: Every episode, but... To satisfy the Stepfan rule, they have to unprotect that pick that they owe the Thunder. The Thunder do not have to agree to that. We saw this with Milwaukee and Cleveland. For the Bucks to make the Drew Holiday trade, they had to unprotect a pick that they owed the Cavs, and the the Cavs were able to extract a second round pick out of the Bucks for that privilege. What would Sam Presti be able to get out of the Heat if he was the if he was the key to them getting James Harden?
0: Kendrick Nunn, <laughs> just throw him over.
1: So I, I don't think they do anything with players, but like, would they do swap rights in 2026? Would they do like four second round picks? Like Sam Presti, if this works out and the Heat do get James Harden, the Thunder are going to be the winners of that trade because they're going to get a bunch out of the Heat to facilitate it.
0: That's tremendous. I just don't, I, I'm, the, the pick collection at some point has to just become like a bit. Like you can't really- I go the other way. Want all of these.
1: What if, the, what if the Thunder trade Shea Gilders-Alexander for more picks, oh and they God. trade Basley for more picks, and then they keep trading those picks for more and more picks until it becomes a singularity, and they like, there's such a feedback loop that they genuinely do have every draft pick.
0: And just like every draft, they get like the number five pick, and like every draft, they trade down for like seven, 12, it's and 28.
1: Well, exactly. <laughs> like you look at the board, it's like the first pick is the Thunder, the second pick is the Thunder. Third pick is the Thunder. The fourth pick is the Pelicans. The fifth pick is the Thunder.
0: It's going to be really weird. And uh, I guess that's, a, that's an interesting way to to talk about what we're talking about now in terms of how these teams pivot when they don't really have that draft capital. And if they, they you know, like you're saying, the Heat only have a few picks. It's like, so if you can't get somebody big and free agent because Giannis is gone and uh, the class is, you know, depleted... And you don't have a lot of draft picks as as kind of incentives for trades. Are you kind of handcuffed in terms of just kind of moving forward with what you have?
1: I think more and more teams are gonna see the light on what the Thunder did as really like you're obviously you're not gonna stack you're not gonna stockpile twenty picks, but I think more and more teams are gonna realize if we don't have a chance to win the championship, let's cash out of this a little early and then just like, you know, put our chips back on the roulette table and see what happens. Like I'll just give you a random team here that I've thought a little bit about the jazz probably aren't going to win a championship with this core. Right? Like, would it be so crazy of them to just say, let's sniff around, see what we can get for Mitchell and Gobert, tank Thank for a few years, have a million picks and me in this thunder situation. Would that be so crazy?
0: Uh, the answer is, yeah, and this is classic Quinn for anyone who, who isn't familiar. It's just like the blow-it-up wagon. Is You and uh, Kevin O'Connor need to be best friends because you're, just, you're all in on tanking all the time. And you forget that like you do have to put something on the court to, to keep the fans coming to games when they're do allowed you, to though? do that. And I watching grew up in them.
1: New York. If I'm a fan of any team, I'm a Knicks fan. All Knicks fans want is a plan. It doesn't matter if the team sucks. Right now, the team sucks. And Knicks fans are genuinely excited because they feel like the front office has some semblance of a plan. They have some idea of how this team is eventually going to be in championship contention, even if that's several years down the line. I look at the Jazz, and I think if they think of themselves as a championship team, they are diluting themselves. And there's nothing worse that a team can do for its long-term future than diluting themselves. Because right now, I look at the Jazz, and I say, they're probably going to extend Rudy Gobert at a contract number that is not favorable, and they're going to end up being stuck as a sixth seed forever.
0: Well, OK, so the counter to that is something that you've already brought up on this podcast, and that's, you know, anything can happen. There's there's injuries. You you hit the right, you know, seating and, and run into a team that's had some injury problems or, or guys are unhappy or whatever. And I, I think the Jazz are are good enough where if that happens, they can at least consider themselves a championship they threat. They have
1: so many teams to lead.
0: But, like, do you see
1: any scenario where Donovan Mitchell beats Luka Doncic in a playoff series? Like when they're in their primes.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think the Jazz are better than the Mavericks.
1: If, unless, I don't now, but even if we'll get to the Mavericks in a little bit, yeah. they might be better right now. They're not going to be better in two or three years.
0: Right, but I guess my point is like you play it out and, you know, maybe you end up with a good free agent signing who clicks or their trade presents itself. and Who wants you know, to go to Utah? I'm not, that's what I said. Trade presents itself possibly. Uh, I, my point is, they're not the Orlando Magic. Like, they're not a team that's just going to be the eight seed and one and done well, every single year. Like, you I think, can't the, do I think this the Jazz are the Orlando
1: Magic because you have nobody that the league wants. The league wants Donovan Mitchell. If you could get, like, control of an entire team's draft plus two or three really good young players, all I'm saying is something to think about yeah. because the Thunder clearly don't regret doing it.
0: Well, that's the paradox, right? Is Is if you have a player that's good enough to get a bunch of stuff in return you probably want to keep that player so that's always going to be the
1: yeah keep that player if you think you can surround him with a championship caliber team like let's be honest about what we think is going to happen with Utah in all likelihood they're going to make the playoffs a bunch of years in a row they're not going to make the conference finals and in five years Donovan Mitchell's going to leave that's what we think is going to happen right
0: I mean he's what if he's loyal like Giannis anyway back to back to what we're talking about the Utah Jazz were never in the mix to get Giannis but you know who was the team that you just mentioned, uh, the probably the sexiest pick for, for Giannis going to another team, and that's the Dallas Mavericks to join up with Luka Doncic. So now that that's not going to happen, are, is, is the Mavericks timetable kind of uh, you know backed up a little bit? Their, their championship window doesn't open for a couple more years now because they're not going to be able to get Giannis.
1: Well, I mean, it depends. And some of the – we'll get to targets in a little bit. Some of them are you know high risk, high reward, will probably take some time. But I think the interesting thing about the Mavericks is they're not like the Heat or the Raptors. They have to spend their cap space. There's no over-the-cap scenario for them. Because once they extend Luka, which is going to come next offseason, that's it. They're capped out forever. My projections right now have them at around $18 in space. They can get to the max a couple of different ways. If you renounce Josh Richardson, that basically gets you there. That gets you to $34 I would think they'd want to keep Josh Richardson. So for now, I'm going to say not. If you want to create more space like Dumping, Norm, or dumping Dwight Powell gets you around 10 million more. You can get some small savings with guys like Trey Burke, Wazalundo. Let's say they can basically afford any free agent on the market. The issue I keep having for them is what do they target? Because right now they have basically an entire team under contract for next season. So, like, okay, maybe they get Victor Oladipo, but Oladipo is pretty redundant with Josh Richardson, right?
0: He is, and cheaper and uh...
1: first, it's
0: I always, time. I always keep coming back to like Luca's 20 years old or whatever, yeah, 22 years old.
1: You're gonna love my favorite target when we get to him, but go on.
0: And it's hard to to spend a lot of money on a a veteran guy who doesn't align with with Luca whatsoever. And even Kristaps is what 26, 27, something like that. So like. I don't know. I get it. Uh, and, and the last thing you want to do is ever just assume that, you know, you're going to be good for the next 10 years because we've seen that that rarely happens in the NBA. Um, so I definitely, if there's, if there's a guy out there who can do something for you, but like we've talked about, you know, ad nauseum on this podcast is the 2021 class isn't looking as, as great as it was, but, um, to your point, they do have to spend the money. So who are, who are you going to spend the money on?
1: I have one target that I really like. It's, Very, very high risk, especially with Chris Porzingis here. The Orlando Magic have not extended Jonathan Isaac yet, and he is going to be a restricted free agent. Now, you would assume that the Magic want to keep him. Is there a number that they would get kind of queasy at considering his injury history, considering how little else they have? If the Mavericks threw like four years, $120 at Isaac, would the Magic match that?
0: that's a really good question and i think from what we've talked about with the magic is they always do the thing that you don't expect them to do or that no other well, smart it's team, team inertia. Would do.
1: <laughs> they keep the same 15 players every year and then they move out like one or two just for the photo op
0: so i would imagine that they they think that jonathan isaac is like their guy at this point right like we're building around him
1: maybe but like what if they just have the worst record and get the first pick next year is that out of the realm of possibility
0: well, now we're back to your whole tanking discussion, which the Magic well, don't no, really. No, they're to just a bad out, team.
1: It. The Jazz aren't a bad team yet. I'm saying the Magic are just <laughs> bad now.
0: But they're always going for the eighth seed in the East. The, the eighth seed is always up for for grabs. You know, if if you're playing Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon, you're going to be good enough to be in the mix for that eighth seed. Obviously, Isaac would would help, but. I th- I'd love to fit on the Mavericks if they could if they could swing that.
1: Um, My real question though is with Porzingis and all of the health issues he presents, do you really want your third guy to be another health another health risk?
0: Yeah, it's so weird. It's such a you'd have to look at the medicals. That's what they always say in the in the draft, right? Oh, they got to get, get a look at the medicals. Uh, is there Mavericks something? Are
1: such an ambitious team that I think they might be willing to look past that in ways that maybe other teams wouldn't. But I mean, man, you're right. The fit is awesome. Like. That would really clear up... He would basically do defensively a worse version of what Giannis would have done for them.
0: Yeah, right? or like a, a, a better Dorian Finney-Smith.
1: <laughs> right, like, that could be... If you started Luca, Finney-Smith, Isaac, Cleaver, maybe, and Richardson, that's like a, a top-ten defense, even with Luca in there, if everybody's healthy.
0: Yeah, and you got Kristaps, the best defensive center of all time, according to you.
1: I'm not getting into this. I've had this argument... <laughs>
0: Uh and I love Josh Green by the way just shout out. He's probably not going to play much cuz Rick Carlisle hates rookies, but Josh Green, long wing defender. I think he's got and a really good. Tyrell Terry is
1: going to be great in 2034.
0: The next Steph Curry. You heard it here first, Tyrell Terry. Um but yeah, they um uh, I guess the uh, the question with the Maver- Mavericks is always like is Porzingis going to stay healthy? Can they commit to the Luca Porzingis uh duo and just say, like, look, as long as these guys are healthy, it doesn't matter what we surround them with. Or do they, like you say, need to make a huge offer or, you know, try to do something splashy to try to kind of maximize that pair and have a little bit of insurance uh, for Porzingis in, in case the injury problems persist?
1: Well, the other thing about Dallas that we sort of have to address is they don't really have trade assets, right? Like they can't go the Miami route and expect to trade for Bradley Beal down the line. They already owe two first-round picks to the Knicks. They don't really have any super enticing young players. So basically, the team that they build in 2021 in the offseason is probably going to be the team they try to contend with for the next three, four years after that. So do they think that they need another star-caliber guy? Like, if they think they need somebody with super high upside, then maybe they do the Jonathan Isaac thing. Or I wonder if they just say you know what, we have Luca, who's going to be an MVP candidate forever. And we have Porzingis, who's definitely good enough to be the second best player. Do we just take this space and we sign good role players that make sense? Like, another guy I have on my list here is Montrezl Harrell.
0: Interesting. Doesn't do much for their defense.
1: Well, no, but his issue is that he's too small for big men. He's not a rim protector at all. He can move around a little bit on the perimeter. If you have Porzingis behind you, like, that, that I'm not going to say that fits in such a way that your defense is going to be great. But that's a real offensive upgrade over post-Achilles Powell. And like that, that's just one of those smaller, sensible signings that I think, like, montres Harrell could be a good 25, 30-minute a- a game player for them.
0: Yeah, and he's, you know, the reason they like Powell is because he gives a role option to Luca. So, I mean, Harrell Well, we have obviously... to see
1: how he looks this year. If he looks like his old self, Harrell isn't really an option. But if he's worse, then, yeah, I would give up a pick to dump Powell and use that money to sign Harrell. Can you imagine, like, look at how good Harrell was with Lou Williams. Imagine how good he'd be with Luca.
0: Yeah, but they got, you know, Harrell and Lou Williams have that special connection. I'm going to be interesting to see if if uh, if Schroeder and him can can do the same thing in L.A. Everybody kind of just assumes they can, but I don't know. I, I know it takes a while. Luca's obviously a much different type of talent, but I think there's certain ways that players play and and you kind of fit in with them. And even if, uh, like, as great of a passer... As Luca is, if he's built up a chemistry with Powell, which it seems like he has, even though on paper Harold might be better, I still think that that, that is a consideration, um, particularly if you're looking to make like a, you know, a big move like that.
1: Well, we have to see how healthy Powell is before we do anything. I'm going to throw out another role player I like for them, and I'm about to piss a lot of people off. Oh, boy. What about Alex Caruso? <laughs>
0: who they are you missing of people, people who, lakers think that, fans who
1: think he's going to spend his entire career there
0: I was gonna say people who think that he's overrated and they're sick of seeing him on sports center or lakers fans who think he's the best so, player on the team besides Tim let me Hogan. ask you
1: this i mean i have the lakers goggles on what is alex caruso worth to you as an outside observer what would you pay him nothing okay this is ridiculous <laughs> I'm not i don't saying, know like i'm
0: it's, you're looking You. the reason you get him is because he's like an upgrade of some sort right and like i don't know what what is What is the upgrade
1: he would be he'd be the best guard defender on that team right now like i think pretty comfortably i like josh richardson a lot he has plenty to prove this year after the year he just had in philly if you have caruso richardson finney smith and cleva like, that's a really good set of perimeter defenders. See,
0: that does not, that they just does nothing ball, for me. Which
1: Carlisle likes. I'm not saying you give him a lot of money. I'm saying yeah. you can get him for, like, three years, 15 million total.
0: Okay. That's that that's, okay, that's... I was thinking you were more on like, the 8 million a year range or something. I mean,
1: I think the Lakers will pay him that, but I don't think any other team would.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, he's never... He's the Laker for life, let's be honest.
1: I, I would think so, yes. <laughs> so, I want to just dive into the Josh Richardson thing quickly, like... We didn't get to this with the heat, but wouldn't Josh Richardson be a good fit to go back to Miami? Like, how much does it cost for Dallas to keep him? I I genuinely don't know because he's coming off of this really weird year in Philly. We don't know. I think he's going to do very well in Dallas. But, I mean, who knows based on the Sixers year? Like, let's say he gets hurt. I, I don't know. Like, I have a very hard time pegging his value right now. I guess I would project him, if he has the year that I expect, as something like a $20 million a year player. And I think that would, A, fit into Miami's space. Miami needs a point of attack defender. They obviously love him from when they had him. Dallas has, their, has his bird right, so they don't really have to let him go. I'm, I'm just sort of curious. Like, where do you peg Josh Richardson in general? Do you think he can be the third guy for them for the long term? Is he a low-end starter?
0: Yeah, that's a, I mean it's a good question. I I think when when he was in his heyday in Miami, people were talking about him as like a, you know, a great value for the contract and and a guy who could just just automatically help you and then like you said last year in Philly, because uh, you were talking about him being like a, a secondary ball handler and playmaker and I was like, "Did you watch Sixers games?" And you're like, "Well, did well, you watch Heat games?"
1: Who was the primary, <laughs> yeah, who was the primary play, playmaker for the Sixers last year? Shake Milton I mean, baby. Right, like I can't judge anybody on that Sixers team. Like we did our top 100 rankings and I had no clue what to do with Al Horford because he was on that weird team.
0: Right. And they, and when he's not the, the only floor spacer on the on the court and he's got Luka Doncic on his team getting him open looks, I think well, you're it's not pretty
1: Well, that. Rick Carlisle is his coach. Look at what Rick Carlisle's right. done for like JJ Berea. Right.
0: And I think uh, so you're I think you're right to assume that that as he plays in Dallas his value is going to increase. Um, but what, so you're talking about him being traded to the heat?
1: No, I'm saying sign him outright with their sign. Team. Him outright. Okay. I'm assuming that he's going to opt out of this last year and be a free agent. I think Dallas is going to keep his cap hold and want to resign him, but I'm just trying to figure out what the value is. Like if I had to basically peg what I think his year is going to look like somewhere between 16 and 18 points a game, Ooh. pretty good defense and like decent three point shooting. That might be a twenty million dollar year player on next year's market.
0: This is, his option is for sixteen something.
1: The option is not no. The option's much less. I'm, the, the cap hold is around sixteen. Cap hold is 16. So you, you keep him at that figure. You spend your cap space elsewhere, and then you sign him last.
0: Man, just cap magistry here. Yeah, so, I don't. I don't. I, I I don't think. I mean, I guess it depends on what the other options are, but I don't think you you are too content if you're dallas saying yeah let's ride it out with luca porzingis and richardson for the next well
1: you're adding something else you still you still have your 18 million in space right the issue is that we just have no clue who they're going to spend it on because the best players are all off the market and it's not as deep a class as i think people think like would the mavericks want spencer dinwiddie i wouldn't think so
0: yeah it's weird because you you also have to think about fit when you're bringing this especially when you have a guy like Lucas occupy such a specific space on the court you know you can't get a guy who needs the ball in his hands yeah it's uh i you're obviously overjoyed to have luca for the next you know gajillion years hopefully um but the idea of how and and who to put around him it's an interesting question
1: so i want to pose one more player to you and this is something that I've been thinking about more as a general question than for the Mavericks specifically, but just hear me out. This is going to sound a little crazy. Let's say Chris Paul is another All-NBA year. Is there any chance that he opts out? He's owed $44 million if he takes his player option for the 21-22 season. Is there any chance? How good does he have to be to opt out of that?
0: You know, it's funny because I I think we were both in agreement that most of the player options this year were going to be exercised because of all the uncertainty and everything. And then Gordon Hayward was one that's like before before the pandemic, I thought, okay maybe. And then after the pandemic, I was like, okay he's definitely going to opt in. And then he didn't. And he got a ton of money from Charlotte. So Chris Paul is a lot better than Gordon Hayward. So if
1: he also a lot older,
0: he is a lot older, but. If if Paul thinks he can get, you know, a uh, two or three year deal for similar to, you know, around the same money, maybe a little bit less, I think he'd yeah. definitely be willing to do that.
1: So I've been thinking, like, let's say he has another All NBA year and Phoenix is like the five seed in the West. If nothing else, if he opts out, Robert Sarver would overpay to keep him. Like, let's make that clear. He's so desperate to be in the playoffs that I think that's what would actually happen. But let's say he has that all NBA year. And he decides, I really want to go like genuinely contend for a title. Would he opt out and take like two years, 50 million from the Mavericks or the heat? Would he need like two years, 60? Like, I don't know what the number is, but I- I'm not, I'm just going to say, I think there's a non-zero chance that Chris Paul opts out. I Which wouldn't is, expect it. It's crazy, right? It's like pure insanity. He's, he said, he's
0: making $40 million. <laughs> well,
1: like, just think about the way we talked about him before he got traded to the Thunder. Like, we talked about him as if he was untradable, the worst contract in the NBA. Now, like he might opt out of the last year of that contract. It's really wild to think about. It's
0: insane. So, I but think
1: if, what if probably happens this year,
0: obviously, yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Like I think what probably happens is he misses 20 games and he just takes that money. I'm just saying I wouldn't rule it out.
0: I agree, and I will also say that I will never just assume that someone is going to opt in, particularly a guy like Paul who's. Obviously got enough career earnings that, you know, taking a small sacrifice in his final year for a chance to win a title or to be happy. um, There's a good chance. I mean, not a good chance. There's definitely a chance that he doesn't exactly love things in Phoenix. Uh, Monty Williams is great. But, you know, what that organization tends to do to people. The last
1: time Monty Williams was Chris Paul's coach, he demanded a trade. Let's put that. (laughs) Like, I don't think that's being talked about enough. They've tried this and it didn't work.
0: And it is weird. I guess uh, like the comparison for Paul and Booker is what Paul did for Shea last year, right? Like took him off the ball a little bit more
1: down the line,
0: right? But what I'm saying is, is in terms of the Phoenix situation, like I think Booker is is on the very, very cusp of being a superstar, and he obviously wants to win, and, and I'm sure he's excited to have the help. But we know how Chris Paul tends to to alienate players and teammates occasionally. Um, So I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying there's a chance that Booker might not appreciate having someone else on the team who yells at him and has the ball in his hands a lot when he felt like he was already, you know, on the cusp of being a superstar.
1: Hear me out. This is Chris Paul's fourth team in five years. Maybe he just has to be a nomad. Like maybe he's only allowed to spend one year with any given team because the second year is when he always wears out his welcome.
0: I mean, that's definitely a possibility, but if that's the case, he's going to want to start going to teams that actually have a chance to win a title, not the Thunder and the (laughs) Suns.
1: Well, I mean, I would think whether he finishes this contract in Phoenix or what, I would think there's going to be like one or two years at the end where he's the fifth or the sixth guy on a team like the Mavericks or the Heat or whoever, and it's just trying to win a ring as like not a superstar, but like a genuine contributor to that team. That's like why a, I really Like a Jason
0: Dallas. Kidd Maverick situation. Yeah,
1: like, exactly. That's a really good, that's, that's a good one. Like, I could see a scenario where Paul plays two years in Phoenix and then takes like the mid-level exception to go to Dallas.
0: I mean, it's not crazy. And by that time, you know, I think they, they could be a real contender if Porzingis stays healthy. So.
1: so just looking at these three teams as a whole, like, rank them in terms of how bright you think their futures are now that Giannis is off the table. Like, who's okay with this and who's miserable?
0: Oh, uh, I mean, I think Dallas is one just because they have Luka. And they have the
1: Golden Goose, exactly. They, you, you have Luka, you're set.
0: You're looking for a franchise player. Well, you already have one. Um, I think just in terms of, oh, yeah, the Heat and the Raptors are tough. I guess I would say the Heat. Just I, because, I say
1: the Heat pretty comfortably, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I'm just – I think the Raptors have – if og takes that leap we're expecting you have og van Vliet, and siakam which i think is a really good young core to build around whereas the heat have a little bit more age um bam are bam and hero and robinson better than siakam van Vliet and ananobi probably right? I think,
1: well they're a, they're pretty close but let's not forget that the heat have jimmy butler like they can fall back on the fact that they have a guy that just went toe-to-toe with lebron in the finals right there aren't that many of those guys
0: and he's got what two more years left on his deal?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would assume just based on the kumbaya of everything that he's gonna spend the rest of his career in Miami. Never say never because it's the NBA, but I would just guess that he's gonna spend the rest of his career there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So probably Miami at this point, and plus they have the uh the added advantage of being you know a destination that people are gonna well, wanna go right. to. Right.
1: They're the Heat. They're gonna figure it out. And the other thing they're gonna do is like people are looking at this roster and saying like. Are we sure they have enough to make it back to the finals? You naive fools are forgetting the fact that this is the heat and one or two young guys are inevitably going to break out just because it's Miami. And that's what happens. Like, Casey
0: O'Kala. Have you yeah, seen Casey him Casey is going to be the most
1: improved. Man. Exactly. Like precious Achua. Maybe he's great. This is They're, the heat. This we're going to be talking do.
0: about, uh, you know, in February, how are they find enough minutes for Chris Silva?
1: Well, if you really look at that roster, it is like preposterously deep before you even consider Achua or Akpala or whoever, whatever young guy that might end up playing for them, they go 11 deep as it is.
0: Which is great and can be a bad thing, but there will be injuries. So, yeah, I think the Heat are in a better position than the Raptors at this point. Um, yeah. Do you think the do you think the Raptors had a, a real chance of getting Giannis if you would have opted out?
1: They would have been third out of these three teams, but I think they would have had a genuine seat at the table. I just really would never underestimate of Jury and they have a real relationship. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't have picked it, but I think they had a real shot. And the other thing is just I don't think the Raptors planned for this in the way that they did. Like, they let Serge Ibaka go because they thought they had a real chance. Serge Ibaka wanted to stay. If if Giannis wasn't on the table, I think they would have just – they would have given him two or three years and called it a day. So I think they thought they had a real chance. And if Masai thinks he has a chance, he let him go for it.
0: Well, we'll never know because it's uh, it's going to be a what if, a great what if in NBA history. Uh, obviously, Giannis might not stay uh, for the entire duration of his contract, but he's at least there for a couple of years at, at the minimum. So uh, We'll be
1: doing a podcast about his trade demand in, let's say, 20 months.
0: <laughs> you just want me to schedule it out right now? Just, schedule it yeah, to post? just
1: put it on the calendar.
0: We can actually record it tomorrow. I'm sure we can figure out what's going to be going on. Who do you
1: late. think? Well, like, the funny thing is, I'm, I'm now thinking ahead and thinking, like, who are going to be the teams that can trade for a star in three years like maybe michael porter jr is a star by then and denver gets (laughs) done
0: yeah or the thunder and the pelicans are Thunder might be
1: ready by then
0: they'll be him and like they need him to team up with pokushevsky and create the greatest duo in nba history
1: if pokushevsky hits that insane ceiling that there's no chance he's gonna hit i'd be really excited about that duo (laughs)
0: All right, the Alexei Pokashevsky conversation has started, so that means it's time to end the That's podcast. When it's time to close. <laughs> Sam Quinn, thank you as always. Tremendous work. Uh, as I said, go check out Sam's articles on CBS Sports. He's a really smart guy. You'll definitely learn something. And um, go check
1: out Colin's wife's bread art.
0: Yes, absolutely. One House Bakery. The Mandalorian
1: is a total delight.
0: <laughs> All right, Sam, take it easy. We'll do this again soon.